Our parable today comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 14, starting at verse 15. It is the parable of the great dinner. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. This is the word of the Lord. If you know this tune, I'm going to invite you to sing it with me. I bet you didn't expect Miley Cyrus music to show up in worship today. But nonetheless, here we go. Darren, I want to hear you loud and clear up top. <laughs> I hopped off the plane at LAX with my dream and a cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame excess. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the cab, here I am for the first time. Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. We're gonna skip to the chorus. So I put my hands up to play in my song. I know I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. It's a party in the USA. It's a party in the USA. There you go. I heard that USA there. Thank you. Whew. I'm done. That's all. That's all I've got. I sing that song because when I was a senior in college, I had the opportunity to travel to Southern California for a three-week seminar. Messiah College, where I attended, has a shortened January term with the option of going on a cross-cultural. When reading about the cross-cultural experience, the description noted that students would engage in dialogue about urban reform and participate in service learning in the heart of Los Angeles. I said, sign me up. Warm weather for three weeks during a Pennsylvania winter? I'm all in. 
I traveled with the expectation that my experience would mirror a lot of what Miley Cyrus references in her song. A land of fame in excess, cabs, Hollywood signs, everybody seems so famous. Her lyrics focus on big dreams and bright lights, the Hollywood sign and celebrity sightings. And my expectations focused a lot on just one aspect of life in LA, the Hollywood Boulevard, the Sunset Boulevard aspect, the affluent part of Los Angeles, the part where you can journey down the walk of fame and feel as though you are in a movie or you're the star musician just waiting for to be picked up by a talent agent. But my trip to Southern California didn't really meet my original expectation. We spent the majority of our time in a place called Skid Row. It's a 54 block area in downtown Los Angeles. And try and picture it with me. Imagine a line outside of Best Buy or Target on Black Friday. People lined up side by side with tents or tarps, waiting for the opening of a store. You have very little personal space, and you're in extremely uncomfortable conditions to sit in, but much less sleep in. People would wait in the rain or in the shine, in high temperatures or low temperatures. And this is what the blocks of Skid Row looked like to me, overcrowded sidewalks on Black Friday. But there are several huge differences. The sidewalks in Skid Row aren't as clean as the one outside of a big retail store. There's trash, cigarettes, needles from drug use, broken bottles from alcohol covering the pavement. There's animal and human waste at every turn. And there's this strong odor that fills the streets that is a combination of body odor, of alcohol, and of smoke. And finally, the people on the sidewalks in their tents, they're not waiting for a store to open. It wasn't Black Friday when I was there. The sidewalk is their home. It's their bedroom and it's their living room. It's their bathroom. And it's their dining room and kitchen if they're lucky enough to have food that day. Instead of the walk of fame, I experienced what many would call the walk of shame. Instead of mansions, there were tents and ragged tarps. Instead of bright lights, there were small lighters only used for cigarettes and drugs. And instead of affluence, we came eye to eye with extreme poverty but hospitality. This unmet expectation in Los Angeles turned into an opportunity for us to embody Christ's hospitality. A chance not to dwell on the missed experiences of meeting celebrities or seeing the Hollywood sign, but a moment to serve others who wouldn't normally be included in the spotlight or in the fame. An opportunity to engage in conversation in relationship with people who have their own stories, 
that they want to be heard. A chance to share food and water where food and water are scarce. And a moment to fellowship with those in society that are deemed unworthy. I can only imagine that my original expectations of Southern California were similar to the expectations of the banquet host from today's passage. He expected a lot of guests for his party. He probably invited friends and relatives, people who were a bit more elite in the society of that time. And he expected it to be a great banquet, something worthy of recognition, something impressive. This party would give him a boost not only in confidence, but also in status. It would increase his notability in society. But his banquet didn't meet his expectation. His honored guests disappoint him by rejecting the invitation. I bought some land, can't make it. I bought some oxen, can't make it. I just got married, can't make it. And while those are some pretty lame excuses, they added insult to injury because he had already prepared the food and set the tables. I would be disappointed and angry too if I had just prepared a great party and nobody came. I even get upset when I prepare dinner for a roommate or friends and they come back saying, oh sorry, I already ate. Or, oh sorry, I made other plans tonight. I put time and effort, money, blood, sweat, probably tears into this meal and you made other plans? Not one of us wants to feel unappreciated. Not one of us wants to be taken for granted. And not one of us enjoys disappointment. And honestly, my first reaction would probably be to shut the party down. I would grab dinner for myself and go shut away in my bedroom with the door locked. I might go to Twitter or to Facebook and tell the world that I feel let down, that I am frustrated. I would probably throw away all the plans that were made and cop an attitude with friends or people that were trying to comfort me. I would probably find a place just to sulk in the disappointment because not one of us wants to feel unappreciated. Not one of us wants to be taken for granted and not one of us enjoys disappointment. But the host of the banquet didn't do that. He didn't just cancel the party. He could have just given up and sulked in disappointment, but he didn't. He turned his disappointment, his unmet expectation, into an opportunity to embody Christ's hospitality. A chance not to dwell on the absence of those originally invited, but to serve others who wouldn't have normally been included in such an event. And there was still room at the party, and so he extended the invitation. He stretched out his hand even further to those who were marginalized, to those outcasted, to those isolated in his community. He provided food and water to those who were hungry. He offered fellowship to those whose society deemed unworthy and he welcomed people into his home that he didn't even know. 
I'd like you to pause for a moment and think of a time when you were on the receiving end of generous hospitality. Someone welcomes you into their presence, their space, maybe with a warm embrace, like a hug or a firm handshake. They called you by name. Maybe it was a high five or a simple look in the eye with like a little head nod that acknowledged that you were there. Maybe someone shared their last cookie with you at the lunch table. Or maybe someone offered you their seat on the bus. Maybe someone invited you to their home for a meal or asked you to join them and their friends at a nearby concert. Remember that feeling of being welcomed. As people who can recall a moment when we've received and experienced Christ's hospitality, we're called to extend the same type of gracious hospitality to others. In the context of this story, that hospitality extended to the unclean, the unworthy, the outcasted. And when I stood on Skid Row, I stood with a man and offered him a hot dog and a bottle of water. And society would say he is unworthy because his pants were torn, his breath smelled of alcohol, and the color of his shirt told me that he was part of a certain gang. But his name is George. And what I'll remember about George is that he's a father to two daughters about the age of my sister and I. And when I spoke to a young girl nearby who was definitely right around my age, maybe 24 or 25, society would say that she is unworthy. She was obviously pregnant, she smoked cigarettes in my presence and lived in a tent on the street. But her name is Ashley. And what I'll remember most about our encounter is the hug that we shared as we parted ways. God claims that we are all worthy. God says that we all have value, and God knows us by our names, not our successes or our failures, not our level of education or our income, not our habits or our hang-ups. And God invites all of us to dine at God's great banquet because all are worthy of an invitation. Each child of God is deserving of a hospitable welcome, a warm embrace in the home of the body of Christ. It is in God's presence that we are challenged to experience community beyond what is comfortable. And it's by Christ's example that we are called to receive hospitality with gratitude and then to extend hospitality to strangers. The host of the banquet in the parable set an expectation for his party. But God had different intentions. And God often has different intentions than the ones we might be able to see. God guides and encourages us to see beyond our own expectations and to embrace new chances for relationship for extravagant inclusion, 
and for radical hospitality. God empowers us to shout the worth of others. God emboldens us to name and claim the value of our siblings in Christ. And God calls us to learn the names of our neighbors. When we do, we are making room at God's table where God has already set a place. We are affirming the inclusion of the table where God has already said that all are welcome. We are saying, come, share, be with me, with us, at this table of grace. May we be so bold in our humble receiving and in our generous sharing of hospitality. Amen.